gang. How are you? How's it going? Are they going well? Good stuff. Hey, follow-up question. Are you ready for a brand new episode of Terribly Funny? Hooray! Because here it is. Here it is. This is the show. Duncan. Okay, so my dog's probably going to bark throughout this. It's also rather in the morning because you can tell from my voice. So let's get those things out of the way. That's just going to happen. Anyways, this is the show. This is Terribly Funny. I am your host. I'm your pal, Steve Bazalone. And this is, of course, the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. Isn't that right, Duncan? He's looking at me uh, like, what are you doing, man? Who are you talking to? Stop being a weirdo. He's right. Um, Today we have a wonderful guest. She's a very old friend of mine. It's Miss Tammy Sagar. Um, what can I tell you about Tammy? Well, I can tell you uh, that before I was lucky enough to call her a, a friend, before we worked together on the Michael J. Fox show, when I was 22 years old, I saw her perform at the Improv Olympic because I was taking classes and doing shows there. And I was like, oh man, she's a superstar. This woman's incredibly talented and just the smartest. And she still is. And now I get to call her a friend and that makes me happy. Um, But beyond that, beyond being an amazing improviser, I can tell you that she has a writer's uh, resume that reads just like a dream. Uh, She's written on Girls, Inside Amy Schumer, uh, Broad City, How I Met Your Mother, Bored to Death, 30 Rock, Mad TV. She has uh, quite, quite the enviable CV, if we're uh, talking in Canadian terms. Um... Uh, when I was at her apartment, I was like, oh, look, you have two Writers Guild Awards. That's pretty cool. And then I was like, <clears throat> oh, I see. Further down the bookshelf, you have two more. Uh, she's wildly talented. And on top of being an amazing writer and improviser, she's now getting to act more. And that's fucking great because she's so uh, just talented. Last year, she was in Mike Birbiglia's movie, Don't Think Twice, and she was great. I can't say enough great things about this woman. I should stop saying great. I need to, you know, diversify my synonyms. But she is wonderful. Ha ha, I did it. Um, we're going to get to that in just a second. She's going to talk to us about addiction. She's going to talk to us about uh, gambling and, uh, you know, just the want for love. All very basic things. Um, But before we do that, let me say, hey, hi, friends. How are you? Do you like this show? I certainly hope you do. And if you do, go to our iTunes page. Write us a review. Give us a rating. Uh, uh, Subscribe. Subscribe to the show. Tell your friends to subscribe. Then you don't have to wonder, hey, is there a new Terribly Funny? You'll just know. It'll pop up on your phone or on your computer, and you'll be like, oh, here it is. There's Steve yammering on again. Um, You can also check us out on the various different social media platforms. We're Instagram at Terribly Funny Podcast. also our Facebook. You can also check us out on Twitter. It's terribly underscore funny. Tweet at us. We love to hear from you. Follow us. Those are all nice things. Also, if you want to have an open dialogue with me, uh, say hello to me or Duncan, who's still looking at me, by the way. Um, check us out. You can write us uh, an email at terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail. I would genuinely love to hear from you. Um, and that's it, man. That's I'm done hawking my goods. Now let's get to the good stuff. And the good stuff, of course, is Tammy Sager. I always hear people take that long pause, and I. Um, well, you always hear, it, but sometimes, it, sometimes when I usually say that, people are like, "So, what do you mean by bad stuff?" Yeah, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, I'll, then I'll explain to them." Yeah, like, yeah. Hmm, well, I don't when know. You go through a bad period. High school. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yet I'm still like grasping around. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I feel like in some way you have the best bad stuff because it was such a solidly shit 
it was a nice solid shit period. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a deluge. And, and then you like, had a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Like it was like your just like surgery four or five year. years of, of like, oh, this is not great stuff. Well, you had times of happiness, but then yeah. there would be like, yeah, like that. And also, I have to say it's interesting to me that because I worked with you when this all was going on. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I did not know a shred of it. Well, I played, I played the whole like uh, marital problems stuff very close to the vest, just because I didn't know what it looked like and I didn't want it to be like a thing until like I knew what it looked like until I knew the yeah. shape of it and I also didn't want it to be like a salacious thing that I tell some people and then oh that's not the way it shook out and right I just wanted it to be like oh, mine and I'm then... not questioning how no, you no, handled no, that no 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 it was not all. easy though I I'm, it's not questioning like why did you handle it like that it's no. like I can't believe it because the writer's room is such as may I explain to the podcast, you're just sitting with people for 14 for hours, so a, day, hours a day. Yeah. Where it's like, if I have a hangnail, yeah. I'll be like, hey, everybody, got this hangnail. Wasn't even today. It was yeah. over the weekend. Yeah. Well, it was one of those things where I think it was also, uh, I thought, like, towards the end of that job, that job, I was like, I don't know how good I am at this, at this job. And then when I went to the next one, when I wasn't just, when I was, like, sleeping more than a few hours a night and, like, didn't have, like, this umbrella of sadness, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm okay at this job. I was just, like, never, I could never focus. I was so That's distracted. That's so crazy to me, too, because, again, I just thought you were awesome. Like, I thought well, you were that's really what I was funny. For. I just said that so you came <laughs> No, a but no, but seriously, like, when I'm saying, like, it's not just that I didn't know anything was wrong because you didn't talk about it, but it was genuinely, like, that was not my impression at all from that job. I thought you were That's really nice present and funny and in the room and all that. Man, I did not feel that way. I felt like very much. I mean, like, I guess because a lot of times it was easier to let me focus on this as opposed yeah, to the other stuff. You're good at compartmentalizing. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. But um, I feel like most men. I feel like that's a very male quality I th- I to compartmentalize. So because I think there's certain level of like social mores of like, yeah, you don't express feelings. Yeah. Even if you're like a raised with very evolved men in your life. Yeah. I still think there's like, you know, watch any action movie or any movie. And that's like always the thing. Just jokes you lean into. Like, well, I also just think there's like, do the job mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And nobody cares. Yeah, that's true. And Which I, is most jobs. Our job's a little bit different, though. I mean, you, you want to do the job, but like as you said, like you're just with people all the time, so you just like start yeah. telling things that you probably wouldn't tell a lot of people. Oh no, a hundred percent would not tell people. <laughs> it's a weird job, yeah. And then after you leave, like, uh, should I? Oh no, well, I know weird things about them too. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, it's fine. No, like that is that is part of the social contract of a TV writing job. Is mm-hmm. like. We're all doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're all going to be cool about this, right? right? So, to the whole reason I brought that up is that it's interesting for me that you have this podcast where that's mm-hmm. your preamble to it as I went through some stuff. Yeah. And it's also like, let's go right at it. Yeah, yes. I mean, I think I, I've said this before, but I think a lot of the reasons why I started this was because of. Uh, I wanted something that felt like a little more personal and that wasn't, you know, as we were talking before, this was on like, uh, I, I'm lucky enough to have a really good job, but like it takes up a lot of time. Yeah. So uh, there's times where I feel like I'm just like throwing like dick do- jokes into a vacuum. Yeah, yeah. So to do something, I just feel like actually having conversations with people. And also it's been like so nice that like 
when have you and I sat down for to chat for longer than five minutes? We yeah. spent a lot of time together, yeah, but like yeah. one-on-one, just like talking for more than like a few minutes. It's funny. I have this weekly phone call with uh, two of my dear friends, and they're my friends from Chicago from 20 years ago. Right. And we were in touch, but not super close touch. You right. know, I moved to LA and then New York, sure. whatever, and they... One moved to Vegas, and the other one... You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Lives come up. Lives happen. <laughs> and then, um, eight years ago, I was in Vegas because I had a brief gambling problem. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something sure, that I could talk that's about. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, But, uh... And I reconnected with one of them. Uh, Liz, her name is. And I was doing the artist way at the time. Mm-hmm. Or... I still do it. It's something that... Have you ever done the artist way? No, I've, I mean, I'm familiar with the tenets of it, but I've never actually engaged in it. Like, they're writing, like, half an hour yeah, a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd just taken, like, a class, actually, with Julia Cameron, and it had been uh, very helpful. Hmm. And so Liz, who's out living in Vegas, and she was dealing with some health stuff, I was like, oh, we need to get you the artist way. Because mm-hmm. also... She'd come from this cocoon of improv in Chicago. She's a really respected teacher and uh, improv coach. And uh, so we started this Artist Way call with her. And then we'd asked a few of our other friends. Mm-hmm. And other people were like, oh, maybe later I'll join. Right. But we'll do... It ended up being me and Liz and uh, our friend Lily, mm. who lives in Chicago. And we have kept that up for eight years now. Oh, wow. A weekly phone call that ostensibly is like an hour-long check-in because it's about this. Right. And we've moved on to other books and other sort of creative exercises. But we also, like, now we're not reading a book together. Right. You know, we're not doing, like... Is, is it is, like, because the artist way is, like, about primarily, like, productivity and, like, staying proactive and staying centered and things like that, right? It's, it's not about productivity. It's not. It's about... Uh, creativity right it's about um, and like inner artist stuff and like opening yourself up like synchronicity things happen I mean the synchronicity even of my gambling problem lining up with seeing Liz like oh okay here's some crazy synchronicity okay you know what and to um, and if anybody's hearing any snoring that is tulip yep um, I just had a big meal. That's what my stomach <laughs> makes all sorts of noises. Um, I'm, I'm cheating a little talking about the gambling stuff because it wasn't, of all my low points, it wasn't a really low point, but it'll help me ease in. Um, so a few years ago, I was living in L.A. Uh, I was working at How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't. I have a hard time in L.A. Just It's not a good fit for me city-wise. Um, but I really like this job a lot mm-hmm. and I really love the people I work with and they did a yearly writer's retreat yeah. in Vegas. I've heard about this. Yeah. yeah, which is not an uncommon thing. No. As a, it's a it's a cool thing and it actually would always be super productive because mm-hmm. during the days we'd work and you kind of would want to justify <laughs> yeah. so that next year you'd be saving yeah. next year's trip to Vegas. Um, so we would always break stories. Um, That's fun. Yeah. So that was great. And then at night you'd go out to dinner and, and gamble like as a group and yeah. it was just Vegas and I had been to Vegas before and not really liked it at all yeah. like I like outdoors mm-hmm. and um, so we had a we had a blast 
and uh, I learned how to play craps while I was there. And it was a big, fun group. And the guy, Jamie Ronheimer, who taught me how to play craps, really knows what he's doing. And it was a, it's what they call a hot table. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> a hot table. So we all like were winning, and it was just fun and laughing. And I don't drink. I'm sober, which is the a different bad time. Sure, sure. Um, which I'm not ready yet to, yeah. <laughs> to talk about. So, um, but they were all delightful drunks mm. or drinkers, I yeah. should say. So it was fun, also, fun, uh, fun booze bags. Yes, yeah. <laughs> fun bunch of booze bags. So I had a blast that weekend. Yeah, or it wasn't a weekend; it was whatever, a couple of days, and also won some money. That's great. Yeah, it's and, a win-win. Yeah, and then the next morning I was leaving. And uh, I was going to go drive out. And I was like, I'm going to go to that craps table again. Mm -hmm. So, P.S., I have a degree in math. Like, that's my background. Did not know that. Oh, yeah. My my undergrad degree. I was going to be a mathematician. Well, you're basically doing the same thing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. What what did did you say? Throwing dick jokes into a vacuum cleaner? Into a vacuum, yep. (laughs) Or, no, just vacuum. Not not even a vacuum cleaner. Vacuum cleaner, cleaner, sure. (laughs) But you mean, like, the universe vacuum of... Everything is meaningless. (laughs) Well, that is way grimmer. Yeah. Um, And everybody's like, oh, the math probably helps you in Vegas. And it does not. Right. The math tells you don't do it. Yeah. The the odds are, (laughs) nope. Yeah. (laughs) The odds are, what are you doing? Yeah. The odds say. Um, But there was just something about craps. I was like, I want to do that again. Mm -hmm. So I went. And if you go to a craps table during the day, there's usually nobody there. Yeah. And there's, and I just rolled the dice and I just won like another, Wow. I don't know, $100 or whatever. Sure. And then I was like, or 200 It was like another couple yeah. hundred dollars. And then the, what happens on a craps table is like you start putting money on numbers mm-hmm. and then usually you just leave it up there through the next roll right. until a seven takes everything down. But I won a couple hundred dollars, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done rolling now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you don't want to? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, I just was like, okay, bye. Yeah. And I left, like, I don't know, six or seven hundred dollars up. That's great. Which is awesome. That's what you're supposed to do. I Well, no. Rarely do people <laughs> do that. And P.S. with, like, all the other money that I spent. Because, like, we had to yeah. pay for our own hotel rooms right, right, right. and, like, all that. It probably was just, yeah. like, $150 up for... Still not bad for a week, week or whatever. Yeah, Vegas. it was fun. Yeah. Um, but on the drive back from Vegas, it felt like I had a little inchworm in my brain. Really? And it, I kept seeing numbers hmm. and, like, bets about the craps there was something in it that all of a sudden it felt like something in my brain wanted to the chemistry changed a little bit yeah yeah totally and i couldn't stop thinking about it that's fascinating and then to the point where i was started looking online Mm -hmm. like pretty soon Mm -hmm. afterwards of like i just want to i just want to like put $12 down, not even really $12. I just want that feeling of putting down 12 on a six or, you know, and then that. And then, and I remember even looking online and craps online is garbage. So I never played craps online. Thank God. Cause it was, I mean, be a a real, a real suck. I mean, it's literally, you're telling them 
I want to win money if I'm on this number. Yeah. What number do you <laughs> do you it's pick? Anyone but that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still. Okay, so I don't like computer games. I just can't get into them. Right. Every once in a while, there'll be a thing like a Tetris in the 80s. Sure, I love a Tetris, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and then you close your eyes at night, and all you see are Tetris shapes. Yep, you start dreaming about, like, oh, that's too much. And I remember with, like, Sims being like, I want to try that. And then, like, getting it, and, like, even in the setup, I was like, I'm bored. Like, I couldn't even. (laughs) Yeah. But I was at some office depot by my house, and they had fucking CDs... And there was one of, like, Vegas Casino. Oh, wow. And I bought it. And I just started playing on my computer. And, I mean, you want boring? Like, but I found it. And you could have the noise of, like, the chips and the roll. So it was, like, the whole thing. There was, like, a certain level. Did you feel like, was it all this whole time, was it trying to get, was, like, a certain level of dopamine released that night? One million percent. like, I just want that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was... I liked the sound of the role mm-hmm. on this computer game. Like, I just... It was so much self-soothing. Right. Um, so I was just playing that, like, obsessively. And, again, I'm saying playing. It's not yeah. playing anything. No. You're just sitting in front of a screen. Yeah. And, like, watching numbers that don't mean anything and betting money that isn't yours. And, like... It's better than the alternative, though, right? Totally. But there is a certain amount of imaginating. Right. <laughs> Right. That, uh, I know the word's imagining, um, that's dangerous to play yeah. with. And actually, um, so I, I'm sober, and I have over eight years now, but I had close to five years, and I, I went back out. Mm-hmm. And then it took me a number of years to get sober again. And I remember one of the times before I, like, I was sort of struggling, I had a, a number of months... And I wasn't struggling, mm-hmm. but I, I remember being up late at night and being like, uh, oh man, I, I know I don't want to smoke pot again. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. Um, but man, I kind of wish I could, but I also knew yeah. I didn't want to. And I remember like finding a video of Paris Hilton in Amsterdam mm-hmm. smoking pot. So this was a dumb idea in my head. So I'm such a nerd that even though marijuana was my drug of choice, yeah. um, it was all before marijuana was even legal in California. Sure. So it was, and I'm such a nerd that it was always just kind of hard for me to get. Do you know okay. what I mean? Because okay. I also, I had been sober. I got sober really young. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who were close to me knew I was sober. So then when right. I did want pot, I didn't feel comfortable. Asking those people. And then I did just feel like asking anybody like, Hello, where do you get your weed? Yeah. And then you like meet somebody who doesn't. And I think it's also I just had so many hangups about it because I sure. knew I had a problem. Because you were moralizing all of it, right? Well, and I also knew like, oh, I can't. I'm not somebody who feels fine about smoking weed. Right. And I feel like if you are fine about it, then you don't care. Then you can be like, hey, where do you get weed? Right, right, right. But I wasn't. Yeah. So I always felt like, oh. So this thing, when I, I was in New York and I was sort of fantasizing about pot... And I knew I couldn't. And I was like, you know what? In this fantasy that we're doing in our head, um, what if I just fly to Amsterdam for a weekend? Mm-hmm. 
Um, like that somehow seems more doable than, than finding, finding somebody <laughs> yes. who can give me a pot. Yes, yeah. which is ridiculous. But also in your mind, you're spending like, I'll see some of the world. Yeah. Oh, like, no. see beautiful things. No, no, no. They just only pot. No, because it was also, it was like, um, it was a fantasy. Yeah. It was, so it was like, no, it so won't be the, that. the romance was not about seeing oh, canals. No. Oh, no. Yeah. It was all like, so I'll smoke pot. And then even in that fantasy, it escalated very quickly of like, how can I mail it back? Right. Yeah, it wasn't even like, so we'll do it for a weekend. It was like, how can I mail it back to myself? And then, even though it's all a fantasy, yeah. and then I looked up this video of like Paris Hilton smoking pot sure. in Amsterdam, and it was just like, and there was a part of me that was saying like, this is not a big deal. We know we're not going to do this. We're, we're sober, we're sober, we're sober. This is just a way to be kind of like, you know, and then a few days later, I'm buying pot. Yeah. A few days later, I get over how awkward it is, and I just ask five people until I find somebody, and then... Right. Do you feel like that first thought, like what you talked about, like driving home from Vegas, there's like an inchworm. Like yeah. Like, first thought is just like, well, there's a, a foot's been put in the door. Oh, yeah. But it's one thing to, like, put your foot in the door, mm-hmm. and then there's another thing to be like, kind of, like, what if I look through the door? Yeah. And then I... I mean, my foot's there. I know my whole body's not going to go there. But what if I put my whole head in? Just to see what's happening. Yeah, and just, like, look and just fantasize and, like... I can fantasize. Yeah, exactly. I'm not yeah. hurting anybody. I know so much better. So I was definitely doing that with the with the gambling. Right. To the point where it was just, like... It was, like, scratching an inch. Mm-hmm. It was, like, if you ever have mosquito bites sure. that are pretty bad and you're, like... Sometimes it's, you just want to scratch around it. Because that like somehow or sometimes it. it doesn't even itch, but you yeah. just sort of scratch it and it feels really good. Yeah, and you've just made it so much worse. Yeah. So I was doing that with this stupid game, and then, and also just like, and then I start sort of pricing Southwest flights, mm-hmm. being like, I'm not gonna go. Like, well, that's what if, what if? Right. I don't like Vegas. Mm-hmm. I liked it because I went with all these friends mm-hmm. that I work with. It happened. I know it doesn't. And I was super lucky and basically still just ended up like, honestly, 200 up. Right. But it's a fun little fantasy. Do you think that is that? I mean, there's many facets of it, but of addiction for you to large degrees about uh, about secrets and about having like kind of a. I don't know about large degree. No, but that's a facet of it. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And it's, you know. One of the reasons that, you know, people talk about making amends is like, or even just before making amends, just making a list of like things that you've done wrong is we get so convinced Mm -hmm. that we've done this incredibly shameful shit that it makes you shut down parts of yourself from other people knowing you. And it's not saying tell everybody everything you've ever done. It's saying tell one person. Right. And tell a higher power and tell one person. And it doesn't even have to be your sponsor. It can be, you know, mm. some people I know told, you know, a priest or yeah. whatever it is. And there's something about giving it some oxygen and some air and having a person next to you be like, oh, I did that. Or yeah. I know somebody who did that. Or just saying, okay. Yeah. It, it, it brings it back down to size. Yeah, it does shrink it down. And also, like, just... I think giving, bringing it, giving it oxygen is a great way to say it, but it just like as soon as it leaves your mouth, 
it, the air is taken out of it. It's it's a balloon that's no longer just going to float. Yeah, and you don't infinity. float in it. Yeah, because the balloon floats, but it's you're in it. Yeah, and now it's like no, it's just a thing. It's yeah, a thing. normalizes it, right? Normalize it. It helps you let it go. It helps you deal with it. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's something that's like hanging over you, now you take care of it. Right. You clean up your side of the street. So I knew going to Vegas was wrong. I wasn't willing to not go. Mm-hmm. I was not willing to do that, but I was willing to say it. Right. I wasn't willing to even say I don't want to go or I know I shouldn't go. I was just, I was just, I was willing enough to say it and not to everybody. Yeah. Anyway, so I went for 10 hours and I went to the Aria, which is, sure. and you know, I'm not getting a room. I just went to mm-hmm. play craps and, you know, and I also brought something to write with. Right. And so like, like I went, you know, I don't know. It was, I was just sort of in the grip of this thing. And at one point I was at a craps table mm-hmm. where like there was a really fun group of four friends and like two of them recognized me from Second City, mm-hmm. which had been like, I don't know, five years earlier or something. No, longer. Long, like 10 years, mm-hmm. you know? They were fans. They 10 were, years, yeah. And it was really fun. And yeah. they were having a blast and they were rolling up like so they are like winning hundreds and hundreds of dollars and you know I had gone from being sort of a weird night and I mm-hmm. met a, a one a whale yeah this guy and a, and a, talking to him and because also I don't really know what I'm doing still sure because I've just played crap right. um, so he's sort of telling me stuff but as he's telling me weird parts of his life are sort of leaking out which is he's been living at the aria now for six weeks and they put him up uh Mm -hmm. three nights into his trip and he's you've dropped some serious money if you're doing that you yeah you've been winning Mm -hmm. so you're gonna stay until you're not Mm -hmm. but also just the talk about being in a vacuum like it, it seemed like he was just staying indefinitely. Hmm. Like that he was already there longer than he'd intended. Wow. And then there's a, there's a, a real uh, sort of a shadow that a cold table casts. Mm-hmm. And it got, that table was cold and he was betting against it. Like it's just, but then I met this group of four and they were a blast and they were like from Chicago and just had those great Chicago yeah. accents and they knew who I was and like that was just like just everything was a blast yeah. and they were fun drunks I like mm-hmm. a fun drunk sure. and and I left after 10 hours and I had won like $1,100 solid it's a good trip oh it was great it was great, except for the part where that I just went up and went to Vegas by myself right. for twelve hours. Well, it's interesting because you know you know yourself, right? Because there's some there's another way for you know if I don't have the context of this, like wow, what a what a great adventure! You met friends, you were laughing, you had like this kind of interesting 
interesting, you know, saying yes to a weird adventure. Right. But then you know the other side of that is like, I'm doing this because it feels like an itch that needs to be scratched. Yeah, because I am checking out. Yeah. Because yeah. the idea of staying in my skin in my life mm-hmm. is literally unbearable. Mm-hmm. So this is a way that I can check out and I'm still sober. And I also, again, the LA, I go a little nutty in LA. Yeah. I have a hard time in LA. So I did this thing and the inchworm is, you know, at this point now I'm like two grand up from right. Vegas. Right. And I'm going back. Mm-hmm. But I'm also talking about it in the room and at How I Met Your Mother is really close to everybody there. It felt right. like I felt like I got a bunch of really great siblings. That's nice. Yeah. That's but, the best case scenario. But, you know, then like people were also genuinely concerned about me. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you? And I was like, I know. I totally know. Um, and in the meantime, I'm also like reading memoirs about, because, boy, gambling addiction. Yeah. That is a forest fire through your life. Yeah. More than it is real bad. And I'm, I'm real clear I don't want to do that. Right. Okay, so, sorry. Well, just, uh, just ask a question. Is there, yeah. like, a, um, without knowing a ton about the tenets of gambling addictions or addictions in general, is it, like, a little bit, when you're talking to a sponsor, it's, like, a little bit, like, you know, uh, when you, like, okay, it's fine. Smoke. Do that. You can focus on that thing, because it's better than what the other, oh, yeah, the, the totally. other side. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, not with gambling, because that's also... That, <laughs> yeah, it really is like, play with fire. Yeah. Um, but it's also... Um, it's just... It was more just like, what are what is so hard to face right. in your life? Like, what are you getting out of this? It, it wasn't like, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's so bad. I mean, maybe some people would be like that, but that's not who my sponsor is. Right. Uh, the, honestly, also, it feels like that's not helpful, right? Well, for me, like, I don't think I could have somebody, yeah. if I have a tendency, if somebody tells me to do something, my first reaction is no. Even if the person is me, <laughs> like, I will, like, going to bed is hard for me. Yeah, it is for me, too. Really? I don't know. I think it's about not wanting to start the next day. Yeah, but it, to me, it's also, like, even if I'm excited about the next day, mm-hmm. it, there's something about having to give in. Yeah. So, so I wasn't hearing, I was just hearing like, okay, we're all, this might be a problem. And, and I'm also saying like, oh, I know. Yeah. But in the meantime, for Thanksgiving week, I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to go from Sunday to Wednesday. Okay. Which is. That's a stretch. That's three nights yeah. in Vegas, which is now I know one night too many. Right. But, uh, Yeah. And I'm, and the, it was really cheap, but it's a long enough stretch that I was like, ooh, I should reach out to my friend Liz, who lives mm-hmm. in Vegas, mm-hmm. who I know has gone through some health stuff and I haven't been in touch with for years. Right. But I should, this will make me feel a little bit better about it. And, uh, and so I do, and that ends up being a blast. Mm. So Liz and I in Chicago, in addition to improv, we were part of a writer's workshop together. That's cool. It was awesome. It was a group of friends. Like, we went to Costa Rica once, mm-hmm. and, like, it was great. And so, with the artist, so I was like, I'm getting you the artist way book. You need this. And uh, and the, the real beauty of that trip was, so the first night, by the way, I got there, and I won $1,000. And 
I get how it's so intoxicating because you've been crushing. Yes, but here's the thing, and also with reading those books and all that, it was not about the money. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't like, there was no amount of money that would have right. felt great. It's more, even because it almost achieves the same objective when you lose, right? Because it's just that, that, that feeling, that weightlessness. Yeah, it's the weight, the, and I've heard somebody else say this, um, an addict say, like, the best time is not when you get high, mm-hmm. it's right before. Anticipation. Yes. Yeah. And literally just seconds before, because, mm-hmm. like, otherwise it's, but, like, yeah, that's the best part. And so the same thing wasn't, like, winning. It would be, like, you know, the dice are in the air. Yeah. But it's, uh... And there's also, you know, and, and Vegas very scientifically does that thing of, like, you have no sense of real money being won or lost. Yeah. It's... These plastic chips, it's like Monopoly. And, you know, you take out $100 from an ATM and they give you a $100 bill. Like, mm-hmm. nothing... It's all become sort of meaningless. Yeah. So, even winning that $1,000 now, that night, I just it didn't feel like, wow! It just felt like... Yeah, that's what happens now. <laughs> like, it just felt weird. Yeah. And uh, so I started hanging out with Liz, and at the same time, I finally start losing. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just lose all of the money. Mm-hmm. I lose all of it. And was that still gratifying to some degree? It's not. No, losing is a bummer. Yeah. It's not as big a bummer as it should be. Right. It all still feels like dream world mm-hmm. Um. Which is also scary, again, because I'm reading these books where I'm like, and I'm not doing it to lose. I'm doing it because I'm like, okay, well, okay, I got, I got to win again. Mm-hmm. Which you don't. You don't ever got to win again. Yeah. <laughs> and, but in the meantime, Liz and I have been meeting now. Now we've, we meet every day. Mm. Like that I'm there. I'm there yeah. four days. So we started that second day. And now, you know, in the beginning, it was like, oh, I got, I want to get back to the casino. Mm-hmm. And then by the fourth day, I was losing, but more importantly, I was bored. Well, that feels good, right? It did. Like it's well, run its course. Yeah, it felt like it left my brain, hmm. which, which, uh, and by fourth day, I was like, oh, I want to see Liz, mm-hmm. and we'll sit and write, and that felt like a miracle where I was like oh I, I know how okay so that's a very long I started it with coincidences yep. so over the course of this time with the artist way and we've also read a bunch of Martha Beck books wonderful mm. Martha boy if you want a book if you're having a hard time okay or even it doesn't even have to be that hard a time it's even just like searching and just find your own North Star. So there was this uh, exercise with post-its where it was like, write down what time it is, where you are, you know, the date on one post-it. And then mm-hmm. on another post-it, you put that on the left side of the wall, another post-it on the right-hand side of the wall, like a big wish. And like, be specific and be dream big. Yeah. Dream real big. And, you know, we did it. We did it with like three wishes. And then all the, you know, over the course of time, like as... If you have no idea how you're going to get from there to there, like, oh, you'll hear stuff and just put it on another post-it right. sort of like... And so I did those two things, but I never, ever put up another post-it. And in fact, I actually took those post-its down, What? but one of them, there were three, and one of them was, 
uh, buy an apartment in Park Slope. Hmm. Or, you know, and I'd never owned anything before. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and now we're in a... Yeah. Yeah, and so, so the post-its went down less than a year later because I was moving into this place that I bought, which was pretty great. Well, that's pretty fortuitous, right? It was great. The more fortuitous one was a year after that, um, I was... So I was in this movie that Mike Birbiglia wrote mm-hmm. and directed called uh, Don't Think Twice. And, you know, I'm an improviser, but and I've gotten to act a little bit, you yeah. know, in TV and yeah. films, but like little parts, you know, like a day part. And I've always been super excited. Yeah. This was a big thing. I was one of the six people yeah. that it was about an improv group. And I was one of the six people. Mm-hmm. And it was huge. Yeah. And the best part was, there were so many best parts to it. But the two weeks before we started filming, we had just rehearsals. And we were sitting there, you know, there was a space that was like where, you know, the characters live. Mm -hmm. And the art director was amazing and did this. And so we're just there hanging out Mm -hmm. before filming. It was just like, because we're supposed to play a group of best friends. And it actually felt like that. You're like making a camp. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden it hit me, oh, that second post it was, be in a movie with my friends. And when I wrote that, I was like, I don't know how the fuck that happens. that's going to happen, yeah. Yeah, because I just, I, in my head I was like, I guess like somehow I connect with Judd Apatow Mm -hmm. and I write it and then maybe I get to do like two days on it. Yeah. But what I really wanted was what you were doing yeah yeah i didn't have to write it that's great just showing up man oh acting what a dream what a dream and with these five other people who i loved you know i only know two of the other people but they're the sweetest oh yeah i mean yeah gillian was on this show yeah gillian kate are maybe the two sweetest people i know and they were the ones i knew the least like gillian we'd met once before kate a handful Mm -hmm. Keegan, I'd known for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Mike, That's pretty and, rad. Yeah, Gethard, I'd known for eight. It's one yeah. of my, and Mike, I'd known for like three or four. Like, and loved. Yeah. Just loved, loved, loved. Boy. So that was amazing. It was like... Do you, do, do you think that it's like a little bit like you manifested this thing? It's a, I, I don't like that word. It's sure. had such a rough connotation. But I do think there was something of like... I think you sort of open yourself up. Mm-hmm. The, there's something very vulnerable about making a wish. Right. And yeah, just acknowledging, like, I want this. Yeah. I want because there's, I think, so often, not for everybody, but for me, it's a hard time to say something like, I want, I want, I want this little bit of light. Oh yeah. Because there's, I think, a lot of ways you're supposed to be like, no, 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 I don't, I don't oh, want that light. Everybody else take the light. That's. One million percent. Yeah. And even, and it was such a glorious experience. It was so much fun. Yeah. It was so great. It was such a fun time. And then it still was really hard for me to say I want to act more because it felt like such like, it just felt selfish. Yeah. It felt like, a sh- and now, and now I've, I've gotten better and said it and like, I get to like, yeah. it. But it is scary to say, and I have to say, I'm just, I'm still not doing it with love or relationships, because I also feel like that's a thing, too, where 
for the longest time, I think it was really drilled in my head that you don't say you want that because you keep hearing like it's right when you say that you're not looking that it finds it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I've been like years of not looking and then you're like, oh, not only am I not finding it, but I'm shut down. Yeah. I'm not even availing myself to it. One million percent. One million percent. Yeah. And that's really the scary part of not letting yourself wish is realizing like oh I'm so walled off from that wish yeah. that it's it's not even a fantasy I connect to yeah yeah so that and I'm tearing up a little bit because to not even connect to be like I can't even imagine right now what it would be like to be with someone I love yeah that's a bummer right it's I mean, I'm saying that in the most surfer-based terms, but it's like when you realize, like, oh, that's just a little part of... There's, like, a door to my heart that I just, like... Oh, it's dusty. I forgot. I don't know where the key is. Yeah. It's beyond dusty. And it's... It's scary. And it's, uh... It's... It's it's scary. Because then you start being like, I don't know that the key exists. Mm -hmm. Um... So, <laughs> but really quick for coincidences. So that, that post-it thing, that realization happens. And it's also just beautiful because I have this weekly phone call with my friends. And just like how one thing that really works about a 12-step group is seeing people's lives change. Because mm. when it's your own life, you don't even see. I mean, just even us talking about how you were in the writer's room. Yeah. Like, your outsides don't match your insides at all. Yeah, exactly. But you can see other people's outsides. And so the really beautiful thing about this weekly phone call is it's also nice. Our jobs are such gifts that yeah. it's also hard when you get something wonderful. Like, you can't... It feels weird telling people because it feels like bragging or it yeah. feels like I don't want to make them feel bad because they don't get to... And suddenly I had, not suddenly, but now I had two people who, like, I know will be so happy because I'm so happy when something awesome happens for them. So I think that's a great metric of, like, a friendship or, like, someone that you love is that, like, especially if you're doing the same thing. Yes. That if, like, I can tell them anything or they can tell me anything and I'm not going to feel anything except for excitement. Yeah. Like, any ego or any sort of jealousy, like, that's out the window because I just love this person so much that, like, fuck yeah. And uh, this is a big crusade of mine because jealousy is, and professional envy, I guess, is something that really sabotaged one of my best friendships years ago and I've seen it really hurt people's lives but I really you don't have to even if that's something that you live with you a you don't have to there's ways of counteracting it there's ways of examining and actually artist way there's like a great chapter about it like take a look at what it is because it'll actually point you to important things about yourself Mm. because you're not jealous of every single person having success there's certain successes that stick in your craw and Really examine it because it will point you to what you really want, hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, the, the, so it was wonderful having Lily and Liz um, 
but here's the really beautiful thing. <laughs> so I keep talking about like Liz had some. So I, I I don't. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me talking about it. But so Liz had thyroid cancer, mm-hmm. and uh, that's one of those like oh well the cancers that's that's cancer. It's so fucking cancer. It well it's still cancer and. It was fucking stage four when they found it, Oof. and she'd had it when she was 16 or 17. Oh, wow. So, which happens a lot, I think, with people, women especially, who've had it at 16 or 17, because it's like the radiation that they used. Yeah. So, when it happened, I wasn't really back in her life again. You know, I'm sort of hearing, but not really hearing. Mm. But also, like, what I know with thyroid cancer is, like, it's the best cancer. And she's fine. <laughs> people it's, usually talk about it. It's the, the best it's cancer. It's the best cancer. Um... But when we reconnect, everything that had been done, it was about, I want to say, like, two years later. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 actually, the, the serious thing that happened with Liz um, was she became hypocalcemic, uh, which is like, ah, what's that? And it means that her calcium levels can drop uh, prodigiously all of a sudden. And again, like, okay, whatever. Right. <laughs> so, sure. so what? And it's like, so she has to have calcium pills with her when she feels it. I'm like, okay. Because okay. she gets tired. Okay, whatever. Right. Well, and this is all stuff that I'm learning in that, that four-day trip to right. Vegas. And because she's also, like, a sweet lady, she's also, she doesn't lead with this. Right. But she wears a medical bracelet where they will see her in a ER before somebody with a heart attack or stroke. Because it's like... Uh, dehydration at like an exponential level. Oh wow! So it's actually super serious, and the level of fatigue is such that I can't even fathom it. Right. Um. You know, when she's a mom, and you know, she's out in Vegas, and the desert is bad for that. Um. So that's the other part where I'm sort of encountering her was also like, and she's away from like her creative home of Chicago right. and. She's dealing with this, like, thing where all of a sudden she could be, like, mortally exhausted, like, while driving. Like, it makes you, right. like, not want to drive. Right, right. And also, how the fuck do you explain it to people? Because... Just, I need calcium pills. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, what you just... How right. you describe it. Like, yeah. yeah, whatever. So, choose some calcium. Yeah. Or, like, I need to lie down. And uh, what's been so wonderful in this eight-year phone call now is watching her advocate for herself. Right. Also watching her energy get up to the point. Like, she couldn't, you know, get on planes and stuff because right. it would just wipe her out. Wreck her, yeah. And she, she can now. Okay, so let me finally get to this thing. So before this movie happens, mm-hmm. one reason I get to be in this amazing movie is because I moved back to New York. And I... I and that is totally a decision made. Um, so I guess, uh, well, because I'm on, talking on the phone calls with these ladies, because I decided to do it um, without a job. I ended right. up getting a job right before I moved, <laughs> because that's, boy, talk about making a wish, yeah. and you get backed up. Well, again, you're availing yourself to that. Like, you could have just waited to get a job, but now it's like, I'm going. So we'll just, we'll hopefully... There's a trampoline by the time I hit the ground. Yeah, it yeah. jump and the net will yeah. appear. But I was also like ready to jump without that yeah. net. And so, um, so I moved to New York, 
and uh, and now I'm improvising, and I'm improvising in New York, and now Mike Birbiglia, who is you know, improv is one of his first loves. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, went instead yeah. down the stand-up route, but then I guess when he was directing, realized, like, I really miss improvising. Right. And so he started doing this weekly show, and Chris Gathard recommended mm-hmm. me to do it. And he didn't just do this show. He was like, afterwards, we're all going to go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. And because he's Mike, he would just treat us all to, you know, Thai food. But it was also so nice of, like, you would just know, like, that this was the night, you right. know, instead of after the show, like, what do we do now? Right, right. Just be like, oh, we do it's, this It's a whole thing now. It's And it was awesome. Yeah. I, I need my weekly rituals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he gets an idea for this movie, and he starts writing it, and, you know, and, and we all become closer. Mm-hmm. Boy, having a weekly check-in with somebody... <laughs> it's It goes a long way, man. Man, oh, man. So... So we start doing the show, but also just doing the show is a blast. And I'm yeah. such a huge fan of his stand-up. And, like, so I'm telling my two friends who I can brag to, and it's not mm-hmm. a brag yeah. with them. And also they understand what improv is. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, and they're like, Mike Burbiglia? Oh, my God. So when Liz first got sick, first got the cancer and was in treatment, Lily and she were still in touch. And Lily... Mm-hmm flew down to Vegas and to cheer her up they like listened to Berbiglia mm. he has a thing on This American Life about performing at a cancer benefit mm. and then they watched his special you know like it was that was like that he made her laugh again I mean that's it, oh this is yeah, not even please. the oh my god this is not even the synchronicity so the next time I see Mike I'm like Mike I gotta tell you this so I have this phone call, and my friends, you know, Lily and mm-hmm. Liz uh, Allen are like, Mike Birbiglia, and he goes, Liz Allen? And I was like, she taught me improv when I was 18. Mm. She came to Georgetown for a weekend and taught me improv. She changed my life. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God. And he, <laughs> it's really cute. He was like, she, I, I cried, so she, she'll remember me. And then I told Liz that, and she was like, I have had so many men cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't yeah. move the needle. Yeah, for yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you know, to be in this desert, and like, she is an amazing improv teacher. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Like in Chicago, they retired the award, the Del Close Coaching Award. It became like the Liz Allen wow. because she just won it every year, and she co-wrote an improv book. She's writing another one now. But she's in Vegas. Yeah. You know, in Second City, Vegas had closed, and she's not into to be able to tell her that. Yeah. So he starts working on this movie, and he reconnects with her. He, like, reads her book. Mm. Oh, they, they, they reconnect. I put them back mm-hmm. in touch with each other. He comes and does a show in Vegas. She gives him her book. He reads it. Like, there's even an exercise of hers in the movie. Oh, that's cool. So we start doing this movie... And, or he's, you know, he's writing 10 drafts of it. And and he was talking to me, and the budget was tiny. And he was like, I, you know, and actually, Gillian and Kate had never improvised before. Yeah. But even more than that, we had to be a group that had improvised and hung out for years. And it he already... Like, felt like a symbiotic unit. Yes. Yeah. And he'd already gotten advice from, like, 
again, because Mike is Mike, Frank Oz. <laughs> sure, sure, of course. Right. Um, and who said, like, go bowling together. Mm-hmm. But he was like, I want, you know, you know, we're going to do some, like, improv stuff together. And he's like, do you think Liz would ever come out and teach their coach? And yeah. I was like, that's, because that's what she does. She's not about teaching people how to be in a, she's, a, that's her forte is mm-hmm. teaching a team how to be a group you know what be I mean be a family yeah. yeah and and I was like I mean he's like I can't I mean there's no budget and mm-hmm. all that but it, it, and I was I, knowing her so well and just knowing like oh my god that would mean so much right and now you know it's been a number of years since and she is in a physical shape where it, in fact she's been traveling all that summer which is something that never could have happened right. a few years earlier. Isn't that a, a fantastic thing to see? Oh, my God. When, when somebody who was, like, unable to do something, you see, like, oh, you have wings again. Yeah. You yeah. can fly 3,000 miles and work with us. Yeah. And she is thrilled mm-hmm. and honored and psyched. So she comes out. And again, how wonderful that she can just do that now. Yeah. Um, and again, being such a good advocate for herself. And Mike is such a wonderful person, but also has his own issues health-wise, which, you know, his first movie is about Sleepwalk With Me. Yep. And so he's really respectful of honoring, like, oh, you say you need this. You mm-hmm. get this. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, here's the crazy coincidence, finally. So Liz comes, and we're meeting at whatever, like 10 in the morning, and show up there. She got there five minutes early, as did Gillian. Mm-hmm. By the time we get there at 10, they have discovered not only that they're both from the same town, from the same suburb of Philadelphia, I want to say. Pittsburgh. Yep. Oh, you would know all this. Lebanon, right? Mount Lebanon, yeah. Mount Lebanon. Yep. I'm, I'm like, Lebanon, Le- Jordan? Yeah, that's the place. Um, oh, okay. So they're both from the same yep. town, same neighborhood, same street. Oh, wow. Oh, they grew up in the same house. It what? turns out Liz's parents sold their house to Gillian's parents. That's crazy. They grew up in the same bedroom. That's fucking bonkers. Yeah. The same bedroom. Yeah. That's some crazy shit. Did, did when you heard that story, was it like, oh, I have, yeah, that's that's it. Oh, it, it my you, body just made goosebumps. I yeah, didn't think about that's, it. You know, it's all very well and good to be like, I wrote on a post-it that mm-hmm. I want this, and it's another. And also, how the hell did they discover that? Yeah. Within five minutes of meeting each other. Like, I don't... Well, I do actually know, like, you're from Pittsburgh, but... Yeah, but, like, you... We didn't learn that within five minutes of meeting each other. Yeah. So, that also... And there was so much stuff like that with the movie. And with my phone calls with them. Yeah. So, and... Working with her was amazing, and I'd never actually worked with her before. Like, we were friends. Yeah. We'd improvise, but I'd never had her as a teacher, and she is... Wow. When you're with somebody... And it's really fun, too, because she is a master teacher, and Lily, her third friend, is a... She owns two theaters in Mm. Chicago. But she had one when we started these phone calls. Now she has two. That's cool. Oh, it's the coolest. Yeah. And she talks about being a boss and how she meets with people and, like... And I, I don't have those skills. And it's when somebody is in the job that they're right for, it's thrilling to mm-hmm. hear about. 
well, it's also fun when you're with talking about Liz and when you're seeing like, oh, this is what you're made to do. Oh, this is your thing. It's this is what you should do all the time because this is what you're best at. I mean, and Gillian said to her, "You not only are better than what I experienced at Juilliard, like you healed shit mm. that they broke there." Mm. It, Which they do a fair amount of, yeah. But it was very powerful, and so she ended up, you know, she's just going to work with us for a couple of days. She she did. She ended up coming back for when we were filming improv. Mm. Like, she came to um, to Austin for South by Southwest for it premiered. Oh, that's cool. She and Mike ended up touring because oh, he wow. did this city. <clears throat> he did this city to city tour, where he was like, I don't just want to go to cities and like. He's like, I want to. It's about, uh, I want to help out improv groups. Yeah. So he offered this thing where they would get a free workshop. Like people applied to get, and then she came and taught a workshop and he came and talked to them. That's pretty dope. That's a, what a thrill for all those groups. What a, totally. And like, just, it was such a smart, such a smart publicity, but it wasn't even about publicity. It was about community. Yeah. Because it's so, and again, like Liz literally touring the country mm-hmm. seeing somebody that they can do that and they used, they couldn't yeah and yeah. doing an amazing job I mm-hmm. know now and you know she had been in Chicago this like expert and then just sort of like you know in Vegas and feeling like do people even know who I am anymore right. who am I anymore outside right. of that and then oh you know her name is in the credits like yeah. coach for the commune she's writing this book now I mean I'm sure Verbiglia is gonna he was mentioning it on NPR that's pretty rad Ira freaking Glass Mm -hmm. oh my gosh she went and saw so Ira was an executive producer on the movie and she and Mike have a long history of collaborating together Ira is doing some live show now Um, and Liz went to see it uh, with her you know her family and she saw him beforehand, like, at the meet and greet. And she, you know, she didn't know if he knew, you right, know. Right, right, right. Ira Glass. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll mention it, but they don't yeah, have yeah, time. Yeah. And he saw her and he was like, oh, Liz Allen, you're in the show. And she was like, what? <laughs> he was like, I mentioned you in the show. That's crazy. Yeah. And so, so also, just, like, how cool to have her, like, 10-year-old, oh, he might be 12, 13 he's, whatever he's, he's, a, he's a, a kid he's a young kid yeah um just see her mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. just be like and then he does this show that he's been doing around the world sold out and I guess the last part is about what he learned making this movie hmm. and he quotes Liz a few times Liz Allen and he even gives her a shout out in this Vegas show and like you know, meanwhile, people from her book club are there. Right. She didn't even know. Like, right. like, can you imagine? That's pretty rad. They feel like you're getting your life back in many ways. And it's beyond. It's beyond what you could even dream of. Mm. It's beyond. And uh, it's so beautiful to witness. So it feels like you know you've talked about like you, there's these phone calls. It feels like it's like kind of like your tripod of stability to a degree now. And it, like you talking about this, it feels like there's such ownership of you seeing her getting her life back. Yeah. How does that, does that make things seem, because you've also had a great year, but does that make you seem like all these other things for you seem so much more attainable? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. And it also makes me appreciate what I have. Yeah. You know, in terms of wanting to act more, mm-hmm. I started saying that after the movie. And at first I said it in a really sort of like hedgy way of yeah. like, oh, it's the worst. You know, everybody's yeah. like, how's the movie? And I was like, great, except now I want to act more. <sighs> Yeah, you always have to do it with like an eye roll. Like, yes, I know. totally, totally. Yeah, like, everybody. Don't. So I, I started to knock it off. And in this past, I mean, the movie has been so great of, I mean, the experience of doing it itself was amazing and with the friends. But then since then, I've gotten to act a bunch. That's cool. Like, blows my mind Mm. and to audition and I have I mean it's also again one of those things where like things the way things work out where like my agent left his agency to go to a different one right (laughs) that cover of night there was a big one of those things he went under the yeah it was Uh, one of those it's always that way right yeah and with that move came this awesome team of people who like see me as an actor well, yeah, because they see this movie and they have been man when you know we always roll our eyes when people think they're agents and stuff at award shows but like fuck they yeah. they've been hustling but also isn't it one of those things where like it's a little bit uh frustrating in that like i've always been the same person it just took this one thing i had to be validated now you're like oh yeah but we see you that way now too it's funny because it's a little bit what we were talking about in terms of like I don't know that I was. I don't know that the wish, like, it was too scary to say. Right. And I would, when I, you know, when I'd get auditions from time to time, because I improvise and, like, you know. Shit, man. I mean, I remember the first time I saw you perform, like, 14 years ago when I first moved to L.A. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this, she's a fucking rock star. Oh. Yeah, because, like, when we started working together, I was like, ooh. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> you definitely did not mention that. No, well, of course not, because I'm going to play it cool. Like, again, playing it close to the vest. I'm not right. going to fangirl oh, on the first day of work. Yeah, I'm going to wait until like three years later after we're done working <laughs> with each other. Like, I saw you in a free show yeah. with like 10 other people in the yeah, audience. Yeah, but at the time, but I was like, oh, I can't, I can't do even half of that, so this is amazing to me. So, when I would get occasional auditions, I would always, always, always be like, oh, you know who would be perfect for this? this person somebody else not me yeah yeah and i would go in and i would audition but in my head i'd always be like ugh it's this should really be so and so and i actually so this year i actually had more auditions and i started doing that in the waiting room and i i think also it's helped me that i've been meditating mm-hmm. where i was mm-hmm. like oh oh you're afraid mm-hmm. oh oh honey it's okay and like it was just sort of like holding that in one hand and like it's not your job to cast this yeah it's not your job maybe they would but it doesn't matter yeah like and actually feel free to have that thought but like we don't I'm not gonna stay with it and you know so like with that too I'm not gonna beat myself up for having it like we've done this is what we did and we protect it but I'm okay yeah I'm okay do you and this is maybe trying to put a, a neat bow on this yeah thing, yeah yeah right? bow it up bow it up uh you know, at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about the way into this was like, you know, your friendship with these with these two women, but also like this gambling thing. Oh, yeah. And it seems like a lot of that was based on, from, from this, what you've said, is like running away from things. Yeah. You're running away from this this thing that 
scared you running away from or you're chasing after something just like not dealing with the reality in front of you I absolutely believe so there's actually a passage in Martha Beck where she writes about um, she she started she, she, she found this like writers group mm-hmm. and she was sure like the way that she found it she was like oh this is because this is supposed to happen right. and it ended up like falling apart and but it did connect her to something to these two ladies so that then later this other thing and she's like oh that thing that happens like that inchworm in my brain mm-hmm. I definitely do feel was a push to get me to Liz to get me yeah. to the it, it feels like that was the whole purpose of right. the gambling addiction and I realize that that's me putting that meaning on it well sure but that's that's but all I life, like that's that all meaning. life is life right. is just putting meaning on, on exactly and I used to always believe like oh if it feels good then it must not be true but then one day it was sort of pointed out to me like if it feels bad it doesn't have to be true either yeah. just because it feels bad let me ask you this um, after kind of I don't know this is a, uh, a rather I think very inspiring that you're like just finally said like here is in dog terms here's my belly <laughs> I'm being vulnerable and I'm being open to this and then these kind of things happened when you finally availed yourself to that yeah um, do you have any advice to get to other people who are like oh, afraid yeah. of that yeah, yeah. shit afraid of being yeah here's me oh, I'm yeah. disrobing definitely I am such a fan of books mm-hmm. and classes and exercises The Artist Way is a great book it's a 12 week she calls it a 12 week course in creativity and it's definitely it's like one of those things with all self-help or spirituality or like take what works for you leave what doesn't like mm-hmm. Martha Beck I think is a fantastic writer that's not artist way that Martha Beck finding find your north star mm-hmm. uh, searching by starlight and she's I actually she's my jam yeah like cause she came from this background where she went to Harvard and like was went on to get like her PhD in East Asian studies and like part of it was just because it was so hard was right. like part of the draw for her and like really what she was feeling fulfillment in like coaching people mm. <laughs> and being like oh, I'm gonna write self-help she though that was the thing with she found these two women and she like gave them her writing and they were like ugh cause she was trying to write like yeah. uh, you know what she learned in Harvard grad school yeah. And they're like, no. <laughs> oh, cool. Thanks, and, friends. No, but it was, they were right. Yeah. Because, and I have the same thing, I think. I mean, look, I even brought up to you, I have the degree in math. Like, you know, there's a def. I, my parents are both academics. I have a definite thing in me that feels like if it's too easy, if it's superficial. But the thing is, is if you're speaking your truth, and if you're doing it to the best of your ability, people respond to that. Yeah. And that's what Martha Beck does. So anyway, so the thing that she talks about is brackets up, where she's like, just, just while you're in the world of this, just see what this is like. You know, like, we have such defenses when we read stuff, you know, like anytime somebody mentions the universe or God or, right. you know what I mean? Like, you just are like, ah, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. There's and a it, stigma to it. And it's like, it's all semantically just for yeah, something and it's, bigger. 
and even if it's not a societal stigma, even if it's your own stigma, yeah. it's also being like, I get it. And I think Martha Beck is just, she's just funnier and I just, I, I like more how her voice is when she says I it get it. It makes the medicine go down a little bit easier, right? Yeah. You're laughing. It's like, oh, this is reasonable. Yeah. 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 Or you're just like, oh, this is unreasonable. I'm going to try it and mm-hmm. just, because her thing too is like, I know it sounds crazy. I agree. I've seen it. It's like me with the Liz and Gillian story where I'm like, oh, I know. There's no such thing as coincidence. Or, you know, there's no such thing as synchronicity. Like, there's just random. Right. But also, they grew up in the same bedroom. Yeah. Like, they were meant. Yeah. Yeah. So, when you see shit like that, you're like, okay. It's a little bit like, yes, the, we are just like on a rock hurtling through space. <laughs> but, like, sometimes, and you can't, it's cold and a little bit uncaring. But something like that happens. Like, well, fuck, I don't know. What what does anything mean? Like, if that kind of weird coincidence can happen. And, it, and that, to me, is what I think wishing and laying yourself vulnerable gives you. Right. Is your unawareness. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you're in your phone or I'm, you know, I'm playing a dumb casino game on my computer and not talking to anybody. And once you're, connecting with people is so hard, but when you do it, you lay yourself open to the biggest pain, but also the biggest joys. Yeah, I guess the overall takeaway is like, it's good to have hobbies, but don't run away from shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Good things happen when you be like, I want it. I'm yeah. going to be honest and I want this thing. So I guess I'm... Uh, it's really scary to say, but like, I want love. Which is... Why is that scary why to is say that? Scary? that? I, mean, I feel like the same... I mean, I, I don't feel... Uh, I don't have a hard time saying that. Yeah. But I feel like post my uh, divorce, like I was like, yeah, I want, I want more love. I want another love in my life. But then I wasn't doing any of the things to put me in myself in that position. You were, like, dating. You were putting oh, for sure. out there. I was, but, like, I... Anytime there was, like, somebody who felt like a viable candidate, there was, like, always, I think, subconsciously... Sure. Subconsciously, like, no. Totally. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with, like, lovely people. Totally. But, like, that for whatever reason... No, that you see the ending from... Yeah. Oh, so that's, so that's all I was doing for years is, one, I was in this on and off thing forever with mm-hmm. an ex. Mm-hmm. And the thing I was saying to myself was, like, well... I already know, like, you know, that there's no rejection because I already know that, you know... Sure, I know what this looks like. It's not going to be surprising. But what it really was, was it was only rejection because I know how this ends. Right. That was oddly the comforting thing Mm -hmm. was I already knew it's... But it was weird. It was like, oh, no, this is just guaranteed, you know, heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing that I, I, I didn't, I thought it was uh, not really putting me in a position for success was like, well, I'm, I don't even know how to articulate, but I think it was like, as soon as I put myself in a position for success, then you have to deal with where success. those feelings are. Yes. Uh, then, then you have to really care if something goes away. And I don't want something to go away because yeah. things have gone away in the past and it sucks. It's hard. Oh, yeah. And also... I mean, it's one thing to be rejected by somebody where you're like, ugh, I, we dated. It doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, it's not going to hurt that much because I don't really want it. Yeah. It's another to get rejected by somebody. You're like, uh-oh. No, so I was in this on and off thing forever, or I would just have crushes on the most unavailable. Mm-hmm. And the last one that was really a deep crush that I had that was, like, deep... 
I couldn't, he was so unavailable. Like what I, one of the things I loved about him mm-hmm. was how much he loved his wife. Like where it was like, yeah. I couldn't even daydream yeah. about kissing him. Yeah. Because it was like, no, but no, the guy that I like wouldn't, yeah. you know what I mean? So it was like, that's how like inside out and twisted it was. You're just putting yourself in, you're just building a cage for yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, but then, I mean, talk about where's the key. There's some part of me that really is looking for that connection because I'm bothering to have that crush. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was, but it wasn't even, you know, I'd let myself fantasize about pot more than I let myself fantasize about him. Yeah. And that's, it's, fuck man, that's a backwards thing. Like, yeah, I, I want these things, but you're not going to do, it's the same thing of like, yeah, in my mind, yeah, I want to act but I'm not going to say that out loud and I'm only going to maybe say yes if like it's presented to me on a silver platter. Right. I'm not going to go and look for a platter. I'm not going to even say to anybody that I want a platter. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to say if I see somebody walking around with a platter. Yeah. Oh, cool platter. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm just going to, yeah, wait for them. Yeah. 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 And I think part of that too with the detachment is being like, oh, if they want me, it's it's not because I'm great. It's not because I forced them to do it. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and, and you're I, marginalizing everything. You're like, it's not it's not about me. Of course it's about you. Yeah, you're talented. But, you're... but it's not about me in the best possible way. Right. It's not about me. It's about... It's It's sort of detaching from the outcome I see so, so if it's not about you in a positive way then it's also not about you in a negative way yeah I see yeah so but which I get that's that's protecting yourself but it's also like oh no to me this isn't the protecting myself no. to me this is like the sort of meditation thing I see where it is what it is where also I started viewing auditions as instead of like proof that I'm right for mm-hmm. this or that I'm wrong for this but instead as opportunities to act. Mm. Where it was like, yeah. oh. Where it was like, oh, just memorize it. Like, for some reason, I went to some dumb audition class a million years ago where they were like, always hold it. Always hold your sides mm-hmm. so that they're reminded that it's this is an audition. Yeah. And two things. One, I use my hands a lot, so I end up waving it around. Yep. And even if I've got it memorized, I will look down. And then once I started viewing it, Honestly, within this past year of like, just memorize it. Mm-hmm. It's gone so much better. Yeah. And then it's instead of an audition being like, you know, I'm up against something. It's just like, oh, I'm just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And especially as writers, we know how little, like how many factors go into. And, and it, yeah. It's also disheartening to like sometimes realize like how little people are paying attention when they even watch those things. Oh my god. It's like remember the, remember the first like TV jobs like and people were just like all eating tuna sandwiches right. and not paying attention. I was like, what the fuck? But, this is the shit that I was worried about six years ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. But and I would remember that when I would get stuff where I'd be like, it doesn't really mean anything because they're yeah. eating tuna sandwiches and stuff. Yeah. But I wouldn't remember that when I didn't. Right. And so now I'm just trying to rem- now I'm just being like. Just have fun. Just have fun at the thing. Oh, can't you just apply that to nope. love, too? Nope. No, you can't nope. have fun? <laughs> I, I keep like being like, no, I can't. Yeah. Uh, there's something about it that feels... 
I know I need to do that. I know I need to do that. Because fun is fun. It's harder. You're gonna you're gonna project so much onto it. Yeah. And worry about it. And there's neuroses and. Uh, it also like it's all very well and good for me to be like, well, if I don't get an acting job, it's not like a statement about me. It's just what it is. But if you're like, somebody doesn't love me, yeah. that means that they didn't love me. Yeah. It's like no, there's so many fucking so factors. Many yeah, I mean, I I feel like I've uh, started hanging out with somebody that I actually like like, and it's the first time in a long time. And there's a lot of people I liked. I mean, everybody's I you know, know what I mean. Everybody listening to this podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's um like the intangible thing. Yeah. That you can't and like it's the I've been like little oh boy. Oh, yeah. this is I don't know. Maybe the other way is easier. It's definitely easier, yeah. but it's definitely shittier. Yeah. It's the guaranteed heartache. But you're like, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but that's also like, I mean, to mirror your advice back, I mean, that's worth it, right? Oh, yeah. That's worth it. And... So to, do that for yourself. Yeah. Write, write the wish. Well, Yeah. I, mean, I, it's I literally all, it's all easier said than done no it's but it's funny just last night on the subway I was talking to a friend about her own thing and I was like you need to write down mm-hmm. what you mm-hmm. and I I, I know it, it, it's weird how hard it is to write that down yeah it's so it's weird why is we, it so hard I don't know but you've said it twice here <laughs> yeah I know. so yeah do that shit man yeah 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 I mean, because like, it's what you said, like, if you're just like, I'm availing myself. Here I am. It may not work right away. Oh. It may not work for a while. But at least I you're know. like, now you're like in, in earnest. Yeah. And I think I need to, I still have judgment about saying it. I still have so much judgment about saying it. You still that. do like the same way. Do you feel the same way about like, I want to act. And you have to like, I'm going to roll your eyes a little bit. Like you have to like undercut it because that's, that's too earnest. So I undercut feeling vulnerable by yeah, making do a I joke. Do I still do that with acting? No, with... Oh, with love? love? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, I I don't even like saying out loud that the I word. want it. Yeah. No, no, because it feels to me like I really had it in my head always, actually, that if somebody wanted it, that that was pathetic. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but also like, it's not. What good. is that? That's it doesn't help you. Yeah, it's not constructive at all. It's really not because I also remember, I was dating this guy. Oh, this was a bad habit I had. I had a bad. I wouldn't even. I don't want to call it a habit because it's so bad, and it it got beat out of me in the worst way of like if I saw a diary mm, I don't know that it was safe with me mm. it was not safe with me it's, ugh, I don't want to admit it no I mean but that's it's the truth yeah. so I was dating a guy and uh, I read his diary and I remember seeing like in the past you know months before we even met that him saying that he wanted a girlfriend and being like ew like, that's all I am. It's just, like, I'm the thing that he... Right. You know what I mean? Like, he wanted a girlfriend, so now he's settled for me. And it's like, whoa, nobody said settled. Nobody. Nobody said yeah. settled. Yeah, and also, isn't that a nice thing to want? It's taken me now how many years to be like, oh, that's a, that's a fine thing to want. It's, a, it's one I, of the most base things to want. 
love? Oh, basic, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, basic, yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's... To me, that there was something of like, no, it has to be the person who inspires it. It can't be just wanting... But it's like, no, it can be. It, it's, it's, it's not a bad... I'm getting to that point where I'm like, okay, Tammy, stop being afraid of looking stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, the thing that you do, uh, putting yourself on stage and not knowing what you're going to say, that's the thing where people oh. look stupid a lot. But, and you do it with such a plot. Like, you're doing the thing that like so many people are terrified of doing. But it's also like... Oh, and I've looked stupid on stage For sure. millions that's, that's the of part times. Of it. Yeah, but it's also. I remember I did this thing in Chicago. I'd been hired by some magazine to like host a speed dating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Uh, and just like having a mic in hand and like, you know, I was in my twenties. They were in their twenties of like, and like just being able to talk for two hours and then like for the last round they're like now you go and like sit and I was like uh and I couldn't yeah and I was like oh I mean it's no and I yeah I mean improv is the best because you can go and feel like you've connected with yeah a few hundred people you can feel like you've connected and also it's easy to rationalize it what doesn't really matter it's playing makeups yeah it's playing makeups it's fun it's a fun and it's human interaction Mm -hmm. and it's safe yeah. Because it is on stage. So anything that is real vulnerability that you are able to show on stage, you also have the safety net of it being on stage. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, I've cried on stage, but that's, like, cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look how, look how real she is. <laughs> yeah. She's so real. Yeah. It would probably like, help uh, my acting if yeah. I didn't fucking every time that I have cried been like ooh look how good I oh, am yeah, immediately pulling you're like watching from above oh, like I yeah. am crushing this look at me cry <laughs> um yeah well uh man we took a, a very circuitous route to get to like just one love <sighs> well I need to stop like 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 that was like a sound of disgust that just came out of me when you said that yeah, but I... Well, I but I want to get away. But I used also, to... I, I want to get away from that. Yeah. Because it is... It's a repellent... Well, I think this... Uh, a, a lot of what I've learned from myself and from other people doing this is, I think, the older I get and the older everybody else gets, it's like, you're going to go one of two ways. You're either going to... Life is going to beat on you and you're either going to develop calluses and calcify and become harder Mm. or hopefully it's going to beat on you and it's going to tenderize you and make you much softer and it's just that process like it's yeah that's what I want yeah but it's hard to get there but it's also like that's that's the goal right have you ever gone ziplining yeah I went by accident once. I thought by we were, accident. Yeah, <laughs> I thought this was an escalator. I thought it was a canopy tour uh-huh. in Costa Rica of the rainforest, and we walked a couple miles with this like thing, this equipment on us, and I did not know. And then all of a sudden, like you start at the, and then once you've started ziplining, you can't stop until yeah. you're done. But one thing that was so scary for me being up in those trees was that it that you 
it wasn't like you're up in this like firm surface, like mm-hmm. the wind would blow and you'd mm-hmm. feel the, and I was saying over and over again to comfort myself, <laughs> my friends were, this was actually with my, my writing group in mm-hmm. Chicago, but, um, trees bend in the wind. They don't break. Mm-hmm. I love trees. Have you ever hugged a tree? Uh, yeah. in like the context of climbing. I love climbing a tree. Really? Yeah. It's like the little kid mates. The same reason I'm like going to bed. It's like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. These kid, these kid things. I had a friend, she wrote this essay about hugging a tree. Mm-hmm. And her being like, I know, I know. That is like legit, a tree hugger oh, is yeah. like the, the, the shorthand of saying totally. hippie dum-dum. Totally. And she's like Martha Beck being like, I know. Mm-hmm. And then one day I just did it and it was real powerful and like mm. the way she wrote about what happened and I've done it a couple of times I'll, I'll go to Prospect Park and like sort of like furtively look around yep. it's so powerful mm. it's so to connect with something that's so rooted and but it bends in the wind it doesn't break mm. when it breaks it's fucked yeah well, I think that's also that kind of connection is just something that we don't. Isn't I mean, I, having not hugged a tree recently, oh. but like just, um, I think that's indicative of like taking a moment to focus on all these fucking marvelous wonders around us that we usually like. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, pardon me. Got yeah. a text, or like I have some place to be, and just oh, like taking like, a moment to pause and yeah. focus on anything and something that's kind of comes springs from the earth inexplicably. And it's just been there longer than you. Yeah, it'll be there and much, be much there longer. longer than you. After the election. Mm-hmm. Boy, that tree helped me out. Yeah. But anyway, I wasn't bringing it up for that part. I was bringing it up in terms of tenderized versus getting brittle. Where it was like, I, you gotta bend in that wind. Mm-hmm. I think that is something, too, that I've noticed Like the longer I've gone being single. Like, when you're with somebody you're forced to compromise yeah and that's good for you yeah you can't just like well I like it this way yeah I, not, but this is the way I do it yeah yeah it's easy to get and that's something that I actually think is really good with our jobs yeah it's like true. you have to learn how to work with people yeah. well thanks man <laughs> thank you thank you for talking about uh, you know putting those wishes out in the world it's funny because I really the if the thing that I you know sorry I'm not finishing sentences it's never great when we talk about the bad times I was like oh I can talk about when I first got sober Mm -hmm. I can talk about this you know ex-boyfriend dated my best friend and Mm -hmm. that uh, just like the shit Mm -hmm. but it also feels old and I also feel over it yeah and but it was also like oh I, I could do it But the the bad time is realizing the love thing. Yeah. And there's no way I would have started with that. Yeah. I didn't... There's no way I thought I was ever going to get there. I didn't... I'm surprised that I did. Well, shit, man. I mean, because all those other things are... Yeah, right. They're in the they're in the past. And they're, they're still omnipresent. They're, they're stories as opposed they're to stories. something that this is yeah. in me now. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest shit. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tulip. Yeah. You're a monster. Thank you. Yeah.
Well, there you go, gang. We get to learn about gambling and uh, uh, chance opportunities and coincidence, fated things, and just wanting love. I think we all want it, and it's okay to say that. Anyhow, uh, thank you so much to Tammy for, for inviting me over to her place, for chatting with me, for being such a gracious guest and a wonderful person. Thank you, Tammy. Uh, if you want to see what else is going on with Tammy, you can check her out on Twitter. It's at Tambone, T-A-M-B-O-N-E. She's the best. Uh, just just invest in whatever she's doing, because she's great. Uh, also, thank you so much to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes. Thank you to Julia Pot and Kingdom Flying Club for doing art and music. And the biggest thanks goes to you guys for being great, for being wonderful, for listening to uh, any of this. I hope you guys have a great week. <laughs>